I'm going to call this podcast, Where Did I Come From? I try to keep these podcasts short. I really appreciate you listening to them. Hope you take them in, enjoy them, and move on with your life. Looking back at that title, though, Where Did I Come From? Reminds me of how my wife is very literal-minded. She'd want to answer that question in a thoroughly biological sense. After 24 years of marriage, I'm pretty comfortable with that. With that disclaimer out of the way, I'll answer the question in a more informative way. As I was growing up, my family lived in a small town in upstate New York. If you have a particular expertise and interest in cutlery, you may have heard of the town of Camillus. Around 15 miles from Syracuse, New York, there was little other than the sharpness of their knives that separated the town from 20 or 30 others, all spotting the map off of Lake Ontario. Of course, Auburn was only about 10 miles away from my house, and that's where William Seward, Secretary of State for Abraham Lincoln, was born and lived. He even got us Alaska, so let's hear it for upstate New York. Time in general causes us to view things as if we're looking through a foggy window. There are difficult times as I was growing up because of health, family issues, that caused a great deal of stress in my life. After all the years that have passed, all the studying I've done, and reviewing the concrete events of those years, I can honestly say of a greater understanding of how I came to this point in my life. I was the third of four children. My brother Tom was born three years before me. My wonderful sister Trish was born slightly over a year later. My brother Kevin rounded out the collection about six years after I was born. Even with fraternal twins, children are never exactly alike. Each has strengths and weaknesses, and for young parents, comparisons frequently are made without regard to how that could affect their children's growth. My brother Tom's exceptionally bright. School was a true pleasure for him, and he drank up knowledge like a thirsty horse laps up water following a long trail ride in hot weather. I don't think it's unusual to try to emulate your brother or your sister. But in addition to being a gifted student, my brother Tom also was an above-average athlete. One of the things children are attempting to achieve in their lives is acceptance from people they respect. Well, that's exactly what I was trying to do with my brother. It'd be incorrect to say I followed my brother around like a lost puppy, but it may have seemed that way to him. To try to compare yourself to someone three years older when you're not yet ten is kind of a foolish endeavor. Nonetheless, in those formative years, that's precisely what I was trying to do. My brother Tom's friends had the unenviable task of dealing with his little brother. The first seven years of life are vital in formulating a person's identity, and looking back without regret, I'd create an identity to reflect someone else. This is not uncommon, nor is it necessarily damaging, but I know now I could have done so much better. But I listened to everyone tell me how brilliant my brother was. My parents, aunts, uncles, family, friends, all praised his scholastic and academic abilities. Now, the beginning of my movement away from that particular identity came in the backseat of a 1960 Ford Falcon station wagon. My family and I drove to my Aunt Grace's house, undoubtedly for Easter. We had to occupy our time in interesting ways. My brother, my my mother, who to this day is one of the smartest people I've ever met, had bought a 
I bought flashcards with multiplication, division, addition, and subtraction equations. Tempting to emulate my brother, I began to play along, essentially competing against him. It became clear after a few rounds my brother was no better than I was at answering these problems. For so many years I'd tried to gain acceptance from my family, friends, and neighbors by being funny. The role I'd chosen for acceptance was that of a, a clown. My die was cast to be the humorous child uninterested in improving himself. The past few years, working with children, I've come to recognize this as an avoidance behavior to prevent myself from realizing the deficiencies I felt were certain. Anyway, in the back of that powder blue station wagon, the need for that sort of avoidance behavior began to crumble. In those days, public schools rarely had the types of standardized testing that would become the bane of education in our society. There was, however, one test that was given liberally throughout the United States. This was called the Iowa test. The material covered was general, but scoring on it informed students of where they stood academically in the United States against children of a similar age. Scoring badly on it did the exact thing, kind of a measuring stick. Well, there was no great expectation of success, however you might define that for me, taking that test on that day. Looking back at it now, that was probably to my benefit. As I went through the test, I found the questions relatively easy, and I finished each section quickly and reflexively re-examined the questions. With my sense of low self-esteem, I justified the ease of the examination as an example of my inability to evaluate the difficulty of tasks that arose. Two months passed, and I tucked away that three-hour experience in the back of my mind as a blip in my third-grade educational journey. The day came with no feeling of expectation, dread, or excitement. Just kind of blah. Our teacher handed out the results of the test, and I glanced down. In each one of the categories, I scored in the 98th percentile or higher. I quickly re-examined the name at the top of the test to ensure the results were indeed my own. And I chuckled to myself when I recall that moment. Because of my own doubts about my abilities and intellect, I attempted to dismiss the fact that I was in truth exceptionally bright. Even as I type those words, it's hard for me to fully accept that realization. This despite the fact I've completed two master's programs and a PhD. I spent the past 52 years attempting to reconcile that particular epiphany with my own life. As I look back, I could find many ways in which I could beat myself up for trying to live someone else's identity. Ultimately, I asked myself this question, the same one I posed to all my clients who beat themselves up over the past. How's this helping you live the happiest, healthiest life you can? Isn't that truly what we're all attempting to do? When I was teaching for over 20 years, I could think of countless times I saw students with the capability of succeeding in so many different ways who had to be put on the right path. Their own self-limiting beliefs and acceptance of what others said about them had created a hole for them they could not see out of. Forgive a quick literary allusion, but John Falstaff said that the word courage is air. That is, indeed, as he said, a trim reckoning. But the person who hears the words is the one that gives them the weight and the effect they'll carry in their lives. 
When children create within themselves a sense of self-worth that they do not allow to be taken from them, they create a, a degree of resilience which can aid them throughout their life's journey. This is not an act of selfishness, ego, or vanity. It's an act of self-preservation. That day in third grade was being evaluated against all the students in the, in the country. I had no ego. I felt at ease, calm, confident. The information somehow had slipped into my brain with no barrier to prevent it from coming out when the need arose. My students were put through the rigors of standardized testing. I gave them each a piece, each a piece of cinnamon candy. I explained to them the cinnamon had properties that would create relaxation and calm that would enable them to do incredibly well during the testing. That expectation allowed them to succeed at a level their fellow students in other classes failed to reach. They were close, but they always did slightly better. It'd be wonderful to say it was my teaching techniques that had given them that additional boost, but in, the tr but in truth, it was their belief in themselves that truly made the difference. Since I retired from teaching in public and private schools, my goal has been to enable parents to show their children how to take control of their own education and enjoy school as if they're playing a game. Each day that thought allows me to bounce out of my bed with renewed vigor. Boy, I really love my job. <laughs>